Um, we are, by God's grace, going to be finishing up chapter 8 this morning. Only been here for about five weeks, something like that. I don't know. It's been a long time. We're getting very familiar with chapter 8. Hopefully we'll get to see chapter 9 next week. So after three weeks of talking about government, and then last week we spent one more talking about government, um, we talked about how it can be convincing, uh, we can be convinced that it has all the power, um, and government can be convinced that it has all the, all the power, and we can uh, also begin to believe it is too big to stand against when it begins to do evil. Um, if we're not careful, we start to give government too much credit and too much control. We start to allow it to occupy the place where only God belongs. Um, but government is not God. It does not have the power, the omniscience, or the control that God does. And so last week we spent time in corporate prayer. Um, if you weren't here for that, that's uh, how we kind of finished up last week because talked about the fact that um, there's all this stuff going on with government uh, and governments, there's always stuff going on with governments and the nature of government is to eventually be corrupt because people are involved in government and people are sinful. So we spent time praying, and that's really the best way that we can deal with um, figuring out what God has us, how he would have us interact with government, things like that, is to be in prayer. So that's how we finished up last week. Um, so with that, let me pray, and then we'll get into hopefully finishing up chapter 8. Father God, thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning and this opportunity once again to look into your word. We thank you that you are the one who directs us and guides us and gives us wisdom and understanding uh, to understand what you've written for us, the, the, the words that you've given. Um, and Lord, we just thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself through your word, that you are knowable because of uh, revealing yourself. And we just acknowledge that if it had not been for you revealing yourself, we would have no hope of understanding really anything about you. So we thank you for what you've given of yourself. And just ask that our hearts would be uh, prepared to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can see up there how I have broken it up. Um, initially, I had verse 15 by itself and then 16 and 17. But um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and read um, the whole passage. So we're going to read 10 through 17 in chapter 8. So then I have seen the wicked buried those who used to go in and out from the holy place, and they are soon forgotten in the city where they did thus. This too is futility. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear Him openly. But, but it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. There is futility which is done on the earth, that is, there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this too is futility. So I commended pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry, and this will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life which God has given him under the sun. When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to seek the task which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun." Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover, and though the wise man should say, I know, 
he cannot discover. So um, that's how we're going to try to finish up today. So verse 10 uh, is kind of an interesting one. So then I have seen the wicked buried, those who used to go in and out from the holy place, and they are soon forgotten in the city where they did thus. This too is futility. It's an interesting verse because um, it's, and obviously there's a lot in Solomon's writings that probably a little tough to to translate well. Um, I don't, certainly don't read Greek and not even begin to read Hebrew, so um, I'm not the guy to ask, but, but when you look at, I looked at a lot of different versions, and there seemed to be kind of three different um, ways that, that they handled trying to uh, translate this. And I'm not going to go through what the other two are, because when you, when you look at the, most, um, the, most, the more literal translations, it's pretty much like what you see here. So I think what happens with the less uh, literal translations that are going, they're trying to, um, in my opinion, they probably go a little too far in trying to figure out how to make it something that we can more easily understand. Just because we can more easily understand it doesn't mean it's right. So um, anyway, we're sticking pretty much with this, and then I'll try to help. I've probably thought about it more than most of you have, so I'm hopefully going to have some insight. We'll see. Um, so when he speaks of the wicked, uh, I think that he's still thinking of a king or at least those in leadership. I think he's still thinking of somebody in, in that leadership role. Those who exercise authority over others to their hurt is how he, in verse 9, how he describes the people that he was talking about. Um, and I think he's still kind of talking about somebody in that situation. So in his description of the wicked, he includes the fact that they went in and out of the holy place. Well, we would, what would we assume that would be? The temple, right? So that has some interesting implications, right? Um, who would he be talking about? What group is that limited to? Well, even, even the Jews, you know, are able to go into some part of the temple, but nobody else can. Gentiles aren't allowed, right? So it seems that he's at least limiting to, to Jews. Um, and, like as was just pointed out, um, it seems he could be talking about a priest, possibly. Um, can you think of any priest that Solomon might specifically... Um, have considered wicked. I had to go back and look at it and think about it. So if it comes off the top of your head, I'll be really impressed. But when, um, after, when so before David died, uh, and uh, which one of his sons? It was um, Adonijah decides he should be king. And David hasn't, David has told Solomon and he's told Solomon's mom, you know, Solomon's going to be king, but he hasn't really, he hasn't made Solomon the king, and so Adonijah is, I'm sure, older than Solomon and goes, I should be king. So he goes, invites all these people, he has this kind of a party sort of a thing, and um, it's told to, you know, Solomon and different people, but one of the people that got invited and who went to that celebration, to that Basically, Adonijah saying, I'm going to be king, was um, Abiathar, the priest. 
there were two priests at the time. I don't remember. I didn't write down the other one. I don't remember. But anyway, what's that? I don't think that was. Anyway, we're not going to get hung up on that. <laughs> there were two of them, um, and and Adonijah was one of them, and uh, sorry, not uh, Abiathar was one of them, and so Abiathar went and was part of this conspiracy, basically, to try to set up a king who was not who David had approved of. So um, Solomon had some kind of bad feelings toward him. Makes sense. Um, in fact, at one point, he, he never had him you know, killed or anything like that, but he did have him said, no, you're not priest anymore, go away, you know, that type of thing. So, um, so he could have been talking about an Adonijah. Um, I'm sorry, about Abiathar. Um, and maybe um, even both of them and others. So it seems he's saying that the wicked do wicked things, even though they may be showing themselves to be holy. And then they die and they're forgotten. And I, I kind of wonder if um, in this passage the word futile uh, Solomon didn't also mean frustrating. It, it feels kind of like it's, you know, these things happen, and it's just, yes, it's futile, but it's also just kind of frustrating that, these, that this is the way things happen. Um, people are in power. They do evil things with their power. They die, they're buried, and nobody really remembers them, and then it, it happens all over again. I remember he's he seems to be talking about, when he's talking about things under the sun or things on the earth, the cyclical nature of things in the, in the world that they happen and they just kind of seem to keep happening. Um, and there's this frustration, I think. Um, he's saying, what a waste. It's futile, but also frustrating. And what, an, what a waste of opportunity to do good things with the power that they have. Um, so what is not futile is to use whatever power you have been given or will be given to serve others as you per personally sacrifice yourself and your desires. And I think we see some of that. It, it's, I think perhaps oftentimes when governments are started or when you know, nations are, there's some sort of an overthrow, there are some who start out with those goals. And we certainly, I think we see it in the Founding Fathers that they were truly trying to go, how do we set this up so that it lasts, so that it's not just a, you know, because they recognized, I think they recognized that men are sinful, and it's only going to last for so long. Um, so anyway, it's that idea that when we have power, when you get into power, you know, what do you do with it? And too often he's seeing that the result is not good, that evil is the result. Porter? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on to verse 11. Um, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Do you see truth in this? Yeah. Why do you think our founding fathers thought it was important for people to have the right to a speedy trial? 
Okay? I think that's the first thing we think of. Right, right. Yeah. So the, the idea that we, t I, I think the first thing we tend to think of, you know, you don't want somebody to be stuck in jail waiting to discover their fate. That's true. But I think it's also necessary uh, for so society, to see, society to see either swift justice or swift acquittal, you know, to... What happens when we, you know, you hear about some horrible crime that's happened, and um, you maybe even hear that they caught somebody fairly quickly, and like two years goes by, and you go, oh, now I'm hearing about the, the trial? You know, I mean, it just is wrong on many, on many fronts. Porter? Well, we see that last Friday, there was a judge having a football for Right. Yeah. Why are we not doing something? Yeah. Right. If they've been... If they've been accused and they're supposed to stay there, then okay. Um, at some point, I question the you know life prison terms. It's like at some point the death penalty probably makes more sense. But anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side of that, I was, it's funny, you should bring that up because I was thinking about, you know, if, you, if a toddler is misbehaving in the store and you're going, okay, I can't whip him here because, you know, um, it doesn't work real well to go, okay, an hour later, I'm going to spank you for what you did. It's gone. You know, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, and a lot of adults are more like toddlers than we'd like to have to, have to admit to. Um, yeah, and so to a criminal, an evildoer, if you don't deal quickly with their wrongdoing, it starts to seem like it must not really be that big of a deal to you, and it emboldens others. Um, and, of course, the flip side is mob rule, where, you know, hey, something happened, and let's grab this guy because he was in the area, and, you know, we're going to be judge and jury, and we're going to string him up right here, you know. There's a balance, and there's, that's, not the, <laughs> that's not the balance. That's the wrong side of it as well. Um, verse 12, although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. So when I first read through this, um, it seems like Solomon was contradicting himself. Because if you really look at it... Um, you know, although a sinner does evil a hundred times and lengthens his life, um, and then at the end, um, he will not lengthen his days. His days will not lengthen like a shadow because he does not fear God. So it, I think he's expressing frustration at how things should be, how he wish they would be, but they're not. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, he's just like, I've seen this, but I don't like it, and it shouldn't be this way. And, and I know it's not really the best, and so he's just, I think he's struggling with it. Um, do we see instances where people behave poorly and yet they live long lives? Yeah. Um, the, the, the one that I thought of that always, that always comes to mind is George Burns. 
you never, you always saw that guy with a cigar in his mouth, you know, and lived to be 100 years old. I looked it up. He, he lived to be 100 years old. Every time you saw that guy, he had a cigar in his mouth, you know. Um, you go, it's frustrating. You know, it's not supposed to work that way. Maybe, maybe it was just a prop. Maybe it's just for a, you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. For the sake of Hollywood, for the sake of his image, I don't know. But, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Yeah. You hope that. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. But certainly, they won't be able to get to heaven and say, "Well, you didn't give me enough chances." You know. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's both. And and I, I often think of you know there are several people in here who knew my mom. My mom died at sixty four or sixty five, and you know was an amazingly wonderful woman of God. You know, and you go, what's up with that? You know, um, and Heather and I were just bemoaning how so many of our grand, her grandkids, you know, we were talking to Jolie saying she would have loved to make cookies with you in the kitchen. And, you know, it's, and you go, Lord, what, you know, what's that all about? Um, but he knows. And our hope isn't here. Our hope is beyond here. So, um, and we tend to get, we tend, we can tend to get focused on here and now. And, you know, well, injustice is happening here. Well, Yeah. Again, I always come back to the, and I've said it several times, I think, already in this, we invited evil into this world. Wasn't God. We, we blame things on God. Well, you could stop this. Yeah, I could. If I just took everybody out of the world, I could stop it, you know. But we're the ones who brought evil into this world. We're the ones who invited it in. Um, all right, verse 14. There is futility which is done on the earth. That is, there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this too is futility. So just like we've been saying, life doesn't work out like we wish it would for everyone, does it? We want to see evil deeds dealt with immediately, except for mine. But I mean, I, you know, those really evil people. I want, it, I want that dealt with quickly, and, and we want to see good rewarded immediately. Is that how it works? No, we don't. We know it doesn't. We don't live in Eden. We don't live in a utopia. We live in a world of sin. Do we ever tend to lose the right perspective? Do we get focused on the world and on the injustices around us. What are we supposed to do with the weight of the world? 
Take it to the one who's got shoulders big enough to carry the weight of the world. It's not me. God sees the injustice. He sees the evil, and he doesn't forget. Do we see evil, wicked people living long lives full of wealth and fame and looking like they have it all? Do we see good things happening to bad people and vice versa? Our first step with that, what we do with that, our first step should be to take it to the Lord in prayer. Do we always see the full picture? No, we never see the full picture. So if we jump in head first without taking it to the Lord first, we can find ourselves making the situation worse. Or we can find ourselves on the wrong side. I can't help but think again of this situation in Ukraine. There's no question that Putin is a bad guy, and he went in there and he, you know, he's the aggressor, no question. But is he the only bad guy? I don't think so. You know, I think there's, I, I think it's too simplistic, but we like simple. Simple's nice. Yeah, yeah, good versus evil sells well, and we like to know who to cheer for. I've already said that, but we like to know who to sell for. Um, and we, we like to be on the good side. We like to know who is on the good side, and we like to root for them. Are we ever called to ignore evil and wickedness? Are we supposed to just shut the blinds and ignore it and hope it'll all go away? Does it ever really go away? If evil isn't dealt with, it just gets emboldened. And that's what he's saying in that earlier verse. If it doesn't get dealt with, it just, it just festers. It gets worse. Um, I didn't, this isn't an exact quote, but you recognize, I don't remember who said it. All that wickedness needs to flourish is for good men to do nothing. We should remember that God is sovereign. Yes, he will make it all right in the end, but that doesn't mean we can just sit on the sideline and wait to see how it all plays out. It's not what he's called us to. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. His hands and feet were really dirty. He didn't have manicured, you know, pristine hands and feet. Don't be surprised when the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. God never promised us a bed of roses. He certainly never got one. I do have a couple of verses up here. He who, um, he who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned, but now they have, been, they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. If the perfect one was persecuted and killed, do we really think the world works the way we wish it would? Clearly not. So verse 15 uh, through 17. So I commended pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry, and this will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life which God has given him under the sun. 
When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which has been done on earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover, and though the wise man should say, I know he cannot discover. Okay, so the world is a mess. Things don't work like they should. So Solomon says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Is that right? Not entirely. I misquoted there a bit, in case you missed it. I don't think that's what he says. I, sim- I, th- I think that he's simply saying that there's no point in stressing over the reality that the world doesn't work like it should. It's frustrating, yes. Get that. But it doesn't mean that we should just hide in a hole. It doesn't mean that we should just say, well, I'm going to drink myself to death because there's no point and, you know, all this. Yeah. Could be a bit sarcastic, maybe. Does it mean that we do nothing? Does it mean that we stick our head in the sand or move to the top of a mountain and get away from it all? Wait for Jesus to come back? Keep saying this. What's the problem with those solutions? What's that? Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other problem is you can only avoid the world for so long. It's going to find you. The evil will find you. (laughs) Um, And then there's that unavoidable, rather sticky little um, command from Jesus that doesn't really give us an opportunity to to go stick our head in the sand or go escape. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, do things, I'm with you. There are things I have for you to be doing, and it doesn't mean avoiding the world. It means going into the world being engaged with the world, and because I'm with you, joy. Because I'm with you, peace in the midst of potentially suffering, potentially persecution. Porter, were you saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're told to be in the world, but not of it. We're told to be in the world, be, be engaged with the world. I believe Solomon is advocating for rest, not in the sense of the cessation of activity, but in that same rest that the, that the New Testament speaks of, resting in Christ as we go about his work. And we find joy in that. Right. Yep. 
and especially in our trials, and especially in the, in the difficulties. And when we, when we truly rest in Him in the midst of uncertainties and things, and instead of saying, instead of reacting the same way the world does, people notice those things. Yes, yeah, and it's not that we're parading around our good works, it's not that we're, but it's just living, just living and letting people see and don't be, don't live in fear because that's what the world does for the most part is, you know, wringing hands and how do we, you know, what are we going to do with all these different things that are going on, but yeah, resting in him in the midst of it. And then I believe in verses 16 and 17, Solomon compared man's work to God's work and had to admit that he can't even begin to wrap, we can't begin to wrap our heads around what God has done. Um, I think that's the gist of it. There, 16's a little hard to work through in the NAS, but um, that seemed to be basically what he's getting at. What arrogant fools we are, even the wisest of us, to claim any knowledge about God that he has not revealed about himself. And I, I think what he's, I think the way that the, the that 16 and 17 tie in um, is does, does the reality of all these things, does it, and does God's working out, does it cause you angst or give you confidence? What does resting in Christ look like? I think that Moses in the Red Sea. Okay. Right. Yeah. And and nobody would have guessed that God's going to part the Red Sea. Um, I was listening to uh, uh, Kelly interviewed Lugie the other uh, couple of things on their podcast the other day. I think it was hit, uh, Lugie that was talking about, you know, that it wasn't just a you know a path this wide for probably over three million people to go across on. It's probably several miles wide, you know. Who, who's thinking that's, uh, yeah, this is how that's going to work out, you know. No, God, God has plans. God has ideas that we haven't even begun to think about. Um, and so, yeah, we can't begin to wrap our head around the way God thinks about things. Just can't do it. Right. Yeah, we think of it like peace that the world thinks about peace, which is just, again, the cessation of conflict. There's no, there's no wars going on, therefore there's peace. Not necessarily. Karen? Right. Right. It's confidence in God. I don't, I don't see a way, Lord. What's, what's your plan? You know, an excitement to see 
what are you going to do here? You know, rather than, rather than the fear and the, oh, Lord, you know, the, he's gracious, and he will answer when we cry out in fear. But what a blessing when we cry out and say, Lord, this is going to be cool. What are you going to do? You know, when we're looking with that anticipation, um, and I'll say it again, I've said it before, and again, I can't remember who it was that said it, one of the writers uh, uh, with torchbearers, but, you know, the, the language of trust is thank you. So rather than going, God, what are you going to do? You know, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. I'll thank you for whatever it is you're going to do because it's going to be amazing, you know. I have confidence that you're going to do something that's just going to blow us all away, you know, because that's how he works. There's a story I'm trying to think of that's not coming to me that, that illustrates your point, but it's a good point. Um, so, yeah, what, is, what does resting in Christ look like to you or for you? What does that look like? Not worried. Not worried. Overcoming worry. Getting beyond worry. Um. With the few minutes we have left, I want to go back and kind of talk about some of what we were talking about before, um, about evil being frustrating. How frustrating do you really find the evil around you to be? Tell me about some of the evil that you're seeing in our society right now. Abortion is a huge one, yeah. Woke stuff, yeah, and just all that goes under that heading. Woke, have you heard that? I know, it's funny because it's, it's one of those words. It's basically the new word for um, politically correct, but it's worse. <laughs> put it, kind of put it that way. So it's all the LGBT, I know, really, I'm afraid so. It's all the LGBTQ push, it's... Um, Race, yeah, the, 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 um, the CRT, the, the critical race theory, all those kind of things. Anything that the left or the you know, progressives are pushing, it's woke. And if you're, if you're going to consider yourself to be on the right side of history according to the left, then that's all woke. So that's, you'll hear that. If you keep listening, you'll hear that term plenty. I don't either. I don't either listen to, to, the, to the mainstream for sure, but anyway. Um, so we're seeing lots of evil in our society. I'm seeing things like, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, how many heard about this, but Disney, that great family-friendly, they are going all in. They are like, yeah, like head first dive, you know, um, they're leading the charge. Um, we've got to be aware of these things. Um, they, are, they are all about the alphabet soup crowd, um, and they are pushing hard, and they are coming after our children. Amy? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you you hit on why I wanted to talk about this. I think that as believers, we have for years, and I know that this is fairly true of myself, said you know, yeah, there's stuff going on, but it's over there, and it's, you know, part of it's that there's that reality of, you know, God is going to sort it all out, and that's true. He is going to sort it all out. But it's been easy to say, so I'm not really going to get involved or engaged in that. I don't think we can do that anymore. I think we have to be ready to, to join the fight to get in the battle. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not giving you a, I'm not giving you a direction and here, go do this, other than to say, are you praying about it? Are you praying against the evil and are you asking God, what would you have me do? And be willing to do whatever that is. I don't know what that is for me yet. He hasn't pointed me in a direction other than to say, are you willing? You better be willing. I better be willing to do whatever it is that he's calling me to do. Um, the churches in America, for a large part, and maybe around the world, I don't know, but there's an awful lot of churches in America that have just given in. That have just, what's that? Yeah, yeah, they are. We can't be that. We can't do that. We can't allow ourselves to just say, well, there's, it's too big of a, whatever to overcome. It may be, and I said this before, it may be that the only hope we have is that when Jesus comes back, he sorts it all out. That, it may be that far gone, but we should never just say, because it's so far gone, I'm just praying that Jesus comes back. We must be praying against the evil. We have to be praying against the evil, and we have to be willing to be engaged. I think that's what he's calling us to. It's not comfortable. I don't enjoy saying it because I know I'm putting myself on the hook and I go, okay, this means there's things that I may have to do. I don't know what that is. But we have to be willing to be engaged. So the question, I think, is are you willing to be engaged? And if not, I pray that you would pray about it. My hope is that you'd pray about it. Got a minute or two left. Anybody want to add any last thoughts? I do think it's a little bit frustrating too. <coughs> Originally, government was put into place for our people, for the people, and you know, um, for their own agenda, mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, <clears throat> there are some great politicians out there. I mean, we folks are, I used to work at the Church of Southern Texas. I know we have a family, but I think it's hard to go up against the government. It is. I know I have family, I have friends that, in their name, they lived in hatred because of what they, they had in their family for years, and they're bringing that in. Right. Right. I, I think that that little frustration and, and pray for it and, and you know that there's going to end. 
Right. Yeah, and I think I think that that's you know what you said is it you know it's it's impossible to you know fight government on my own. It absolutely is, and even if we said we're going to band together here, it might be difficult in my own strength, in our own strength, if we're just trying to come up with a plan on our own, it's almost guaranteed to fail. That's why I'm saying we need to be praying. We've got to be praying. Lord, you have answers for overcoming the darkness. Again, it may just mean that Jesus is coming back sooner. That may be the only answer. But are we willing to be engaged in whatever his plan is? Lord, I don't know what it looks like, but you're big enough. You See, you've got plans. You know how to do this, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. That's what we've got to be willing to do. And, and we've got to be willing that, you know, it may be that, you know, I lose my land or I lose my this or that, but am I, am I engaged? Am I however it is he has me engaged? I don't know. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are big enough to overcome all things. There's nothing beyond your power, beyond your um, ability to deal with, Lord, and and evil will not win. There's no question. Um, Our enemy does not win. He's a defeated enemy. Um, Lord, we see so much of his activity around us that it can be discouraging. Let us never be discouraged. Let us look with hope to you. Let us be excited for what you're going to do and let, help us, each one of us, to be willing to be engaged. Whatever it is, it just may mean we're praying, say just as if it's a small thing, but Lord, it may mean that that's what you've called us to. I want you to pray more. I want you to be on your knees. I want you to be lifting up these situations. And it may be that you want us doing more than that. So help us to be willing to do whatever it is. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.